Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Um, as you can see, we're making some adjustments. We're very grateful to uh, the Alhambra School District, Keppel staff, for being able to meet here. But that means that they do school stuff also as we try to do what we're doing. So I'm standing a little off-center because if I move that way, I get blinded by the light and that doesn't help anyone. So I'm going to stay right here in this area. Um, also, I just want to give you a heads up. Another adjustment we're making, next two weeks, it's going to be impossible for us to, to meet in here. And so we're going to meet in the courtyard out here uh, for the two weeks, the 2nd and the 9th of March. And so I wanted to give you a heads up, just in case the weather actually turns and gets a little colder, you may want to dress accordingly, or either way, if it's warm, definitely want to dress accordingly there. But uh, one way or the other, just heads up, we're going to be outside. That, that was, we did that last year. It was a lot of fun to be out there. It's a great, great setting in the courtyard. But just wanted to give you a heads up so you could log that in, and hopefully you remember as you're getting ready next, next Sunday morning. Uh, we're in a series that uh, we, we began three weeks ago. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at who God said He was. We're actually trying to find out not just about God, but we're digging into the Bible and finding out what, what He Himself said about who He is. I grew up hearing a lot about God. And uh, at different times, I, I, he would get my attention and I would focus a little more on, on him. Uh, but then at around 18, I really began to pursue uh, knowing God and getting, getting to know who he, he actually is and who he's revealed himself to be in the Bible. It's, it's incredibly important because... Who God is matters. It means everything. That's, that's what we're talking about. Uh, so far, we've looked at how God is love. He's all-loving. And He's all-powerful. Now, these two qualities set Him apart from everyone else. There's, there's no one like God in this way. He is love, which means He's the source of love. We, we wouldn't experience love on this earth if God wasn't love. If He... If he did not uh, originate uh, the, the quality, the characteristic of love, we wouldn't experience it. His, his love, it's an active love. It gives, it sees a need, it does something about it. it it's a forgiving love. Uh, it's pure. It, it's without malice. Which means there's no mixture of ill will with his love. It's pure and unfailing. And his love, once you get in touch with it, motivates us to love others the same way. He, he's also uh, all-powerful, you find in Scripture. He refers to himself as the Almighty God. Um, he, he has the power to create out of nothing. Now, we, we can't do that. You know, we have the ability to create, but we have to use stuff, material that already exists. God spoke and the world came into being. He has the ability to create out of nothing. So, what you find in the Bible is God uses His incredible power to help those who really trust Him with their lives. 
That, that's what he does. We can count on him to do that. Knowing this means that we can abandon our own strategies uh, for meeting challenges and trust him to help us through them. Now, these two parts of his character, they, they flow together in a way that really builds our ability to trust God. And we, we have to... Uh, we have to realize, as especially with what we're talking about today, we're talking about today the fact that God knows everything about everybody on the face of the earth. He sees it all. And so it's, it's pretty important to know that He's loving. If He's going to see what's going on on the face of the earth, it's important to know that He, he loves the people He's made. And He has the power to help. It's... It's, it's a scary thing. I think that I was thinking this morning about this idea, this, this truth that God knows everything about everybody all the time. And I think that's, that's the very fact that dawned on me when I was 11 years old and it began to, to motivate me to pursue God because about, He's seen everything, all the good but all the bad as well. And I need to figure out how to get straight with him, how to get right with him, how to what what does he expect from me? What does he want from me? And so the fact that he's loving and powerful mixed together with this one uh, in ways that really are helpful. There's a new interest in Roman and Greek gods uh, today. Here's a picture of uh, the Percy Jackson series. It's it's a series for. Uh, I think preteens that, that, or maybe older. I don't know. I know my nephew read the, the books, and um, he's he was about ten when he read them. So, anyway, there's this interest in Greek gods, Roman gods, and the stories about those gods. They they show you that they're powerful, but they're completely unpredictable, and they're self-serving, and they have human-like weaknesses. That's, that's not what you see in God. If, if the God who made us that you find in Scripture were not all loving, that would be terrifying. If, if He were powerful and didn't love, then I, I would be terrified to approach Him. That, that would be scary. But since He is both all loving and all powerful... We can trust Him to work to bless those who serve Him, who turn to Him and, and set their hearts to serve Him. So, we're going to dig into the truth this morning that God knows everything about everybody all the time. It's called omniscience in theology, in theological circles. Omniscience. Omni, which means all, and science, which means to know. So, God is omniscient. He sees it all. Santa makes the same claim that he sees everything. He's watching it all. Uh, here's a little clip from an old school. This is Throwback Sunday again here. Um, we're going to watch an old school clip about Santa Claus. Hey, it's getting late. And I've got these letters to deliver. And you better be getting home, too. And remember, behave yourselves. Because Santa can still look into his magic snowball and see just what you're up to. Now that you know all about him, you can be darn sure 
that comes snow or high water. Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not cry, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice. He's gonna find out who's not nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. I think you can probably complete it. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good, for goodness sake. Um, that That's very useful. I know when I was a child heard that song, that motivated me to be good, because I didn't want him to check me off the list. You know, you don't, you got to watch out for that. Um, it, it does put a healthy fear in you to realize that Santa, when you're a child anyway, that Santa's paying attention to everything that's going on, and he's going to bring your gifts or not based on his thoughts about you. I know it, it motivated me. Um, as you mature, you realize that Santa can't really see everything and everyone at once, so you lose focus on that. Um, what you find in Scripture is that God actually pulls this off. He, he lives... Uh, he, he actually lives in more dimensions than we do. And I... I I, I digress here. I'm off track on my notes, but we live in the dimensions that we live in, three or four dimensions, four dimensions, height, width, depth, and um, space. God is outside of our world. He, he had to be in order to be able to create it. And so he can see everything that goes on before him in this world, in this universe, all at once incredible, but he has the ability to do it. Nothing in your life, this is what this means, practically, nothing in your life startles God. He's never surprised by anything that goes on. Nothing shocks him from your past, and he knows what lies ahead of you in the future. In your quiet moments, we have this sense that God sees everything. We have this sense in our soul, in our heart of hearts. We know this is true. One of the clearest passages on God's complete knowledge of everything that's going on in the universe found in Psalm 139. It's written by King David, uh, the greatest king in the history of uh, Israel. And of all the Psalms, there are 150 Psalms, this may be the most personal Psalm. So let's look at what Psalm 139, 1-6 says. It says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. For the most part, we prefer personal space, don't we? We, we don't like to have our privacy invaded. Just, just imagine, it would be a nightmare if you go home and you discover that your entire house has been ransacked, searched, and poured over, scoured. That's, that's a nightmare. But David says, God knows him in and out. He's searched him. And he's rejoicing in that knowledge. He takes it further. Psalm 139, 2-3. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. 
You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Here it is again. Most of us don't want to be known quite that well. Uh, it's, it's intimidating. But to David, this is great news. This is fantastic that God knows him this well. The implication of God knowing when we sit down, when we rise, our coming and our going, it's that he never misses a moment in our lives. He, he knows all that's going on. Not only does God know our actions, but he knows our intentions. Look at verse the next verse. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Now, I have a bad habit of trying to finish people's sentences. You know, if I'm excited in a conversation, but I, I can't pull that off. God, God can make that happen. He knows what we're about to say. God can do that. Look at verses 5 and 6. You hem me in behind and before. In other words, there's, there's no escaping. He's surrounding us. And lay your hand upon me. The idea is that He's placed His hand on our lives to guide, to help, to, to lead. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. So this means several things. It means that God is never surprised by anything that goes on. Often we're shocked to learn things about friends and family and others. News, shocking news comes on you. We're, we're at a total loss sometimes as to what to do, how to respond to what's going on in, in the lives of people around us or even our own lives. We're, we're surprised. We're shocked by it. But God is never surprised. He, he knows every detail of our lives and He has a complete understanding of us. He knows all about us. When it, so, when it seems like nobody understands, we can know God understands fully. Now, how does this impact you? How does this truth, how, how do you respond? To David, this truth that God is all-knowing was fantastic news. This was great. This, this really brought relief to David. But actually, there are two directions our minds and our hearts can go in response to this, this truth about God. Uh, one is like David. That is fantastic. That is great news. The other is, God knows everything about me. That terrifies me. If we rewind uh, to the beginning of time in the book of Genesis in the Scripture... Uh, you find that the first man and the first woman, they shared a very close relationship with God. He walked with them in the garden. They had conversations with him face to face. And uh, after they were created, it says in the book of Genesis, they were both naked and were not ashamed. And there's something in us that longs to be unashamed. And this, this thought, of God seeing everything concerns us because of what's gone on in our lives in the past. After some amount of time living in this way uh, in, a, in an ideal world, Adam and Eve, first man and woman, chose to rebel against God. Immediately after their rebellion, it's said in the Bible that they were their eyes were opened and they realized they were naked. They, in other words, they were ashamed. 
they felt shame for the very first time. So they covered themselves with loincloth. Next time God walked through the garden in the cool of the day, it says they hid from him. Possibly the first game of hide and seek. I don't, I don't know. But they, they hid. They hid out of shame. So from, from that day forward, people run and hide from the God who made them and loves them because of the wrong kind of fear that grows out of our shame. The shame we experience by the rebellion that we've all signed on to. The rebellion of the first man and the first woman. This rebellion means that our native understanding of God is skewed. It's clouded. And so what God did, it's interesting, this is, this is when you know it's really good that God loves the people He made because since our native understanding of Him was skewed and clouded and uh, we began to not be able to walk with Him and talk with Him face to face, He began in that moment to work a plan to give people the opportunity to get back into a relationship with Him. And His, his plan included... Progressively over time, revealing more and more of himself to the people he's made. It says in Scripture at many times in many ways, by speaking to men through prophets, and then finally by sending his son. Jesus Christ stepped into the world. Uh, God himself stepped into the world, took on human flesh, and then we could see all that God was like. This is what you find in, in Scripture. So when Jesus says something about God, or our relationship with Him, it's wise to let it shape your understanding of reality. That's, that's the perspective of Scripture. What you find at one point is that Jesus taught the scary side of the truth that God knows everything. And I, I think this is the side that started me, that really motivated me to pursue God and to find out more about Him. But one day, when He was answering His critics, the hypocritical Pharisees, uh, who held a tremendous amount of power in his society and who wrongly used religion for their own personal gain, Jesus said this to them. He said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Now that is great news when you realize that everyone who's ever spoke an angry word hurtful word, word, or who has hurled insults at you, they are going to have to give account one day. That is, is that, I mean, you're like, yeah! I hope they get theirs! That's good news. But it's scary when you realize it applies to me as well. That's the scary side. It's great when you think of everybody else. But when you realize... I'm going to face this day as well. That's the scary side. At another time, Jesus said this about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Luke 12. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. What Jesus is saying here is every thought, act, and word will be exposed and examined on the day of judgment, the day when we meet God. 
and must give an account for our lives. That's scary. Listen to this statement from a very early follower of Christ in Hebrews 4.13. And no creature is hidden from His sight, speaking of God, but all are naked exposed to the eyes of Him with whom we have to give account. The word exposed is scary. It's, it's scary because our shame will be uncovered. If, if God wasn't our judge, it wouldn't be so scary. But in our soul, we know He is. We know there's something in us that knows we're going to have to give an account. If God weren't our all-powerful, the judgment wouldn't be that, that frightening. We might think, well, I'm going to be able to squeeze by, get around it, going to work with it. If He weren't holy and pure, if He weren't perfectly just, then we could possibly negotiate. You know, if we're a good negotiator, we might be able to do that. This is why it matters so much that God is who He is. That He's loving and powerful. This is the difference it makes. We have a judge who helps us get ready for the judgment. That is really good news. Hebrews 4 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. This is referring to Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. What Jesus has done is, He stepped into the world. He lived a perfect life. He died in our place. And His death prepares us for the judgment if we accept what He's done for us and decide to live for Him. That's our confession. We, we make Him boss. Jesus, You are God. You are the Lord, and you have died for me. And I'm going, to, I'm going to quit trusting all that I can do to cover my shame, and I'm going to allow you to be the one to cover my shame because you have died for me out of your love. God loved the world, so He sent Jesus, who is our priest now. He's the one who goes between God and us. He intercedes for us. He talks to God on our behalf. He, he, makes, it, he makes us able to have a relationship with God. So we have a judge who helps us get ready for the judgment. That's amazing. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, receive mercy, and find grace to help in time of need. So we, we can now, because of the grace of God, in Jesus Christ, we can now approach the throne with confidence if you've decided to live for Him, if you've given your life to trust Him uh, to pay for your sin. We can go boldly, confidently to the throne. Since the first man and woman rebelled against God, people have been a race of fugitives on the run from Him. Uh, maybe this is why we like chase scenes in movies. I don't know. We can identify. There's, a, there's this, we're running. We're fugitives. We're running. God is aware of every wrong I've ever thought or ever said or ever done. But He still loves me. That is an amazing truth. He is the judge who's provided the only acceptable covering for my shame through the death of Jesus, His Son. R.C. Sproul says, God knows the fugitive's crime and gives the fugitive a hiding place in Jesus Christ. 
This means that we should quit trying to cover our shame ourselves. We don't have to. It's a relief. We should quit trying to cover our shame ourselves and accept Christ's death for our sin and give our lives to Him. This is our hope. It's our only hope in Him. Another crucial aspect of the fact that God knows everything about everyone and sees it all, uh, all the time, is this. Connecting to the God who knows everything gives us access to the greatest God. Since, he's, since our lives are playing out before Him, uh, since He has the ability to see it all, we can trust Him to guide us. Uh, in all of life, we tend to trust experts. You know, WebMD is my first place to go when I have health issues. You know, go to WebMD, get some scoop from the, the, the website. But really, it's better to actually go to a doctor. He's, he's the expert. I've, I've diagnosed myself several times, been completely wrong. I thought for sure I was you know, a goner, and I, I'm actually okay. I'm still breathing. Um, but anyway, you know, we go to the experts. When you have trouble, you go to the experts. An honest, capable auto mechanic, fantastic. You need those. I need those anyway. I do. But what do we do when we need direction for life? Where, where do we go? Who do we turn to? There's Dr. Phil and other TV experts. Um, and some of the stuff they say is, is, is helpful. Um, but they have very little, little knowledge about what's actually going on in my life. You know, I mean, I can take what they're saying and try to apply it. I can take what's going on. But they don't know really what's going on in my life. Friends are helpful. But they really only know what I've told them. If you're anything like me, I try to make myself look good when I talk to my friends sometimes. I don't want to tell them everything that's going on. And they're busy. You know, they've got their minds on a lot of things. They can't always think about my problems. So, not always that helpful. You know, my feelings, my, my own thinking, my own thought process, my own rationale. My decisions can go from good to bad depending on what's going on in me at a particular time. I don't know about you, but I want direction from someone who knows where I should go. Who knows me completely. And, and knows what I should do. The good news is that God wants to guide. He wants to help. He, he doesn't withhold direction from those who seek Him. He actually wants to guide those who trust Him with their lives. And want to live it his way. Check out this psalm. Psalm 33. Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is, is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His steadfast love, that He may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. God's watching it all, and He wants to help. If you decide to go it on your own, He'll let you do that. But if you turn to Him and trust Him with your life, set yourself to live for Him, He's there to help. He's there to save. It's not your own strength that saves. But it's this God who is infinite power 
has all the strength, all the knowledge. However He chooses, He can act. And He wants to, he wants to guide us. He wants to help us. When, when, you need, when, you, when you read this passage, you see His careful eye is watching, providing help and hope. God wants to guide us. Our role is to seek His guidance and learn how He does that. How, how does He guide? Uh, let's look at some keys to, to God's guidance and seeking it. First one is to, to learn to recognize His voice. Key characteristics of Christians you find in Scripture is that they know God's voice when they hear it. It's like uh, a little child, you know, maybe you have a meeting going on in one room, children are being taken care of in, in another room. And the young ones, the very young ones, the toddlers, sometimes you, you don't want them to hear their mother's voice because, wah! You know, they're gonna, they, they know their mother's voice above the crowd. And when they hear it, they start crying because they want their mama. It's the way it is. We, we as believers, since we know God, will walk with Him. Uh, we, we can recognize His voice. And there's a way that we learn to do that more and more. A loving parent wants to give guidance, and God certainly does. Um, as we walk with God, we need to learn to recognize His voice. To recognize it, we must become familiar with how God guides. Uh, here are some key questions to ask when you're making decisions. These help us identify God's direction as we sort, as we sort through all the input. First of all, is my thinking consistent with God's Word? Because you need, as you become familiar with God's Word, uh, it helps you filter the input from the experts, from friends, from family, your own thinking. It helps you sort it out and helps you learn to recognize what God would be saying in the situation because He's not going to contradict something He's already said. So, as you're making decisions, seeking guidance, this is a question you want to ask. Is it consistent with God's Word? Um, Second, is my thinking consistent with the way God made me? He's not going to make you and give you a certain set of gifts and abilities and skills and lead you to do something that doesn't line up with those. Uh, for instance, God is you know, not going to lead me to make a serious run on American Idol. I'm not going to even show up in the little room where you know, I sing to the, the famous people. It's not going to happen. I'm just not gifted that way. It's not going to work. And then finally, does my choice involve faith, serving, or sacrifice? These are characteristic of the direction that God's going to lead you. He's going to lead you to exercise faith, to choose trust in Him. He's going to lead you to serve others and sacrifice. There's always this danger that any decision we're trying to make, we want to be the star. But God's going to lead us to humble ourselves and trust Him, and serve, and sacrifice. God knows everything about everybody all the time. This matters because He graciously wants to help us. And He has the power to help. We can trust Him to help. We only need to trust Him with our lives and allow Him to begin to guide us and give us the direction and the way we should go to fulfill His purpose and good for us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for the truth we find in Scripture that uh, really helps us understand who You are and how You work and what 
what, what it is You want from us. And, and God, I, I thank You that You're loving. You're all-powerful. And You're all-knowing. You see everything that goes on on the face of the earth and You're not surprised. And You have actually uh, been kind to send Jesus to die on the cross on our behalf. Thank You, Lord God, for what You've done. Thank You for Your kindness, God. And I pray that You would help us as You've laid uh, some things on our hearts and minds this morning to take the steps of obedience that You've laid before us. We ask for Your help in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> we hope today has been a real, real help for you. Um, in a moment, we're going to be taking the offering. And if there's anything left that you have on your communication card or your connection card, just uh, feel this is a good time to fill that out. Be ready to drop it when the offering comes by. Um, each week, we have we put together some next steps for you to consider. Uh, the reason we do that is really walking with God is a series of next steps that are kind of connected together. You you learn something from God and you take a step towards each. You learn something and you take another step. And uh, that's really what we're we're trying to help you take some steps as you do that. Now, during the talk, God may have brought something to your mind that's not on our list. You know, I'd really listen to that. Uh, well, we a couple things we put together is you know one thing you could do this week is you could read Psalm 139, and you could really think about what does this say about what God's like. What does this say about what I'm like? What does this say about how God views me? And I guarantee you, you'll find some things in Psalm 139 that will really be helpful, really good insight. Um, one thing is, maybe it was clear this morning to you that maybe your next step is really to uh, just take advantage of God's offer and to really uh, make Him the boss of your life and to really commit your life to Him. Maybe that's your step today. Um, another thing you could do is you could pray and ask for God's guidance, like Randy was saying, uh, in a specific area where you're really struggling, something you're really trying to figure out. <clears throat> Um, one of the, ver- the verses that he shared, uh, uh, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, the very first part says that well, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. And so not only does God have this amazing ability to know everything and know everything about us, but he actually knows what it's like. To, he knows what it feels like to be us. And so the kind of advice we get from him is the very best advice we could get from anybody. And so I would just really encourage you to consider that. Uh, the band's going to play here for a few minutes. Uh, lead us in a song. As, it, as they do, I just really uh, would ask you just to take that time to consider what your next step would be after hearing the talk today. Thank you.